if you have a Bible, uh, as always, you're going to need that. So you might as well just flip that open to Daniel chapter 7. You're new to this whole church God Bible thing. Not sure where the book of Daniel is. Good news. The Bible people thought that might be the case for some people at some point in time, so they put a table of contents in the front of the book. Makes it easy for us. Flip on right over to that page. You're going to be in like the 740s-ish area. But again, again, if you've got a pew Bible. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the row in front of you. If you don't own one, that is our gift to you. Uh, read that thing. There's no better thing that you could read. So last week, uh, Ed launched us into the beginning of this three-week series, uh, kind of through Daniel chapter 7. Uh, this week we're in the middle. Last week he kind of illuminated for us with his teacher's heart the beginnings of Daniel's vision where Daniel saw these terrifying beasts, each one more terrifying than the other, uh, but also each one a little less in uh, prestige and, and its regal nature, right? No one would say that a bear is as regal as a lion, and they were all kind of rising out of the sea. And through the Bible and other literature in the ancient Near East, the sea was used uh, to paint a picture for us of the chaos and opposition to God. That's why when you're reading things, you'll, you'll see them sailing through the seas and giant monsters coming up, especially in in mythology, Greek mythology. You'll see them sailing through as they're doing work for one God Monsters will rise up because they are in opposition to another. And the Lord uses the sea metaphor to point out to us that things rise up, whether it's wind and waves, whether it's monsters, to point us to the chaos and brokenness of our lives and how at every moment, without Jesus, our lives are opposed to him. Read this now with me. There's a quote. It says, it's essential for us to notice. So we see these, these beasts. This isn't about the beasts. It's essential for us to notice that the focus of the chapter as a whole is not on the monsters themselves. The focus of Daniel chapter 7 is rather on the coming day of divine judgment when these monsters will receive justice and God will win the victory. And there's some huge debate as to when this day of victory comes. And one of the things that Ed told us last week is that people will either accept or reject this. So some people just re reject it on its face because it comes from the Bible. And the Bible is just another myth. It's just another thing that can't be counted on or relied on. And so we're just going to reject it. Don't even need to hear it. It's just the Bible. And then others will they'll receive it. They'll take it in. Now we're to the point where there have been some debates. So we're going to go over here and say that you and I assume we receive it. That's why we're here. And if you don't receive it, good news, we're going to paint a picture for you today that hope, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will just wash all over you and you will leave here today accepting that God's Word is what it is and it points us to His loving faithfulness. But the debate inside of this is, is Daniel chapter 7 pointing us to the end of all things? Or is there another time where justice and judgment is pronounced prior to all of the end? So hopefully today we'll have an understanding of maybe 
where we stand on that. So today, as you see in your Bible, you're going to see the Ancient of Days reigns and the Son of Man is given dominion. So today, our title is just going to be the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man. We're going to pick up reading here in verse 9. It says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair, the hair on his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, speaking to what we saw last week. So if you missed last week, cityviewchurch.tv, uh, click on the watch little tab and it'll take you to messages and you can watch Ed unpack these beasts for us. But one of the beasts, the fourth beast, the most terrifying of the beasts, rises out of the sea and it's got a bunch of horns. And so I looked. And then because of the sound of great words that the horn was speaking... And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season of time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion was an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you. Uh, We thank you first of all, God, that we know that you are the Ancient of Days who sits on that throne and who pronounces judgment, Lord. So you are, you are the God of justice. We know that you are executing justice and judgment today, and you will, at the end, execute your final judgment. As we press in, Lord, what we're asking you this morning to help our hearts and to help our minds be more centered around Jesus today because of what you teach us from your word. Lord God, that our lives would be driven by the grace of Jesus Christ. That we would be moved on behalf of those who don't know you. Lord, that these things would draw us together in community. They would send us out on mission. Nor we're asking that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit because we have no idea how to understand these things. These things are too high and, and lofty for us to wrap our hearts and our minds around. So Lord, send your Spirit to awaken our hearts and our minds that we may hear from you. And it is in Jesus' name that we have even the opportunity to talk to you. Amen. 
So the Ancient of Days is God. He sits on a throne of fire, and his hair is like fire, and everything around him is like fire, and fire in the Bible is used as a metaphor for um, judgment and purification. So we see this God, this Ancient of Days, who stands to judge, but not just judge to point out what's wrong. But we see the biblical metaphor of fire is far more than just pointing out what's wrong. It's far more than just God saying, here's where you're broken. But the biblical metaphor of fire is purity and judgment. And so the pictures here of God who has hair like fire, surrounded on a throne of fire, whose wheels, which by the way, I never considered that God sat in heaven in a wheelchair. That was an interesting kind of revelation this week. But his throne has wheels of fire. And I don't know, I guess, I guess the, my desk chair has wheels on it. So maybe God isn't sitting in a wheelchair. I don't know. But as I was reading this, <laughs> as I was reading through this, I was reminded of all of these weird pictures of what God looks like that we see. And, and I was going to clip together a bunch of clips so that we could see it, but it felt really weird coming out of that prayer moment uh, where some of us were crying together to go to a maybe more comical view of... But you guys know, what's the picture of, of God? God is... He's got a big white beard, which... He's got big white hair. And then some people paint a picture of God as a woman. And then in the movies with uh, Jim Carrey and Steve Carell, God's a black guy. Um, just interesting that uh, none of us know what God looks like. And there aren't many visions into heaven where we're able to actually see a description of God. But the people are so captivated by the glory that surrounds him. But here, Daniel's given a picture into what God might look like. And so, does God look like these things? Or are these just the words that Daniel knew how to use? Like his hair was white and his beard was like flames. Uh, I saw a guy the other day with a beard that was like fierce, like I've got like a sissy beard, right? Been going for almost an entire year on this guy. But this guy, his beard was fierce. And then I came back and read this over again. I thought, man, if that guy's beard made me think, gosh, that's a dynamite beard, then Daniel had to have been like, gosh, God's beard is dynamite. Dynamite, blow it up, makes fire. God's beard was like fire. I don't know. That just popped into my mind the other day. What we see, though, is that God is being described here with fire because God is pure. God is perfect and God is holy. And who can judge? Can I look at you and judge your life? No, because I'm broken. I'm insecure, I'm weak. But God who is perfect, who is pure and holy can be the ultimate judge of all things. 
Because inside of him there is no error. Inside of him there is no flaw. He is at his core perfect. And so Daniel is captivated by this judge, this ancient of days, this king, this God. Who has this purity and wisdom, white like snow, his clothing. There's no stain, no blotch, nothing on them. And then I got into the next part of this where it was like math and stuff. Right, a thousand thousands. I was like, gosh. So you take the zeros from this one, just add it to the back end of that one, and that's like a million. He's served by a million then. So that one seemed easy, but then like 10,000 times 10,000. And I didn't know at that point whether or not you still take the zeros and do it. So are we talking like billion or a trillion or like, like there's this number and then so what I, what I realized is that I'm bogging myself down into math uh, which is a complete mystery and not worth my time or effort uh, to try to figure out unless you are in elementary school or high school and then it is well worth your time and effort forgot this was family Sunday so this is this is the point so God sits down on his throne the court is in session and the book is open and this is the point while you're reading through it where you're like, seems clear. This is end times judgment. This is, this is Daniel's being given a vision to the end of all things. So now that we know where we are, we've established ourselves in the timeline, let's keep on reading. Because continuing to read may actually change our perspective here. And then I looked because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed. That's still in keeping with this being at the end, right? The beast was killed and its body was destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. And we know that at the end, the great beast will be thrown into a lake of fire and it'll be chained down and burned forever. So this is still in keeping with that same picture, right? As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season of time. And it's at that point where the timeline of this vision can't really be at the end of all things. Because if, if he's going to destroy the great beast and it's the end of all things, then why would the other three beasts not go with him? Right? Because we, we know reading in the book of Revelation that there is a lake of fire that is prepared for the devil and his followers, his people, his kind. So this can't be that. So when is this? When was ex judgment executed? When was judgment executed? Is it sometime, it was definitely a time in the future for Daniel, but is this judgment that we're reading of still in the future for us? Or has this judgment already been executed? An interesting question. I believe there's an answer. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, who came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And he was given dominion and glory, a kingdom, that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom So there is one, this Son of Man, we know that Jesus 
told us he was the Son of Man. So if you go over to Acts chapter 1, verse 9, you're going to see Jesus leave earth after his crucifixion, after his burial, after his resurrection, and 40 days later, where he was showing people, hey, they killed me, I'm back. I was dead. Not sure which side he got stabbed in, so I got a point at both sides. See the holes? Check it out. I was dead. See the scars? I'm not dead anymore. So he goes about for 40 days, and then he ascends from earth to heaven. How? On a cloud. So he leaves surrounded by a couple hundred of his people, is taken up into heaven, and then how does Daniel tell us that the Son of Man came into heaven? And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. So when was this judgment executed? If he's already being presented now, then the judgment had to have come before that, right? So the judgment on sin and death is not a future judgment on sin and death. The power, the dominion, the authority of sin and death was taken away the moment that Jesus walked out of that grave. Your sin, your sin was paid for the moment Jesus breathed that last breath. And the power of sin and death were broken the moment that he walked out of that grave. Interesting, interesting words here. A few hundred years before Jesus comes on the scene. Before Jesus ascends into heaven on a cloud, Daniel's being given a picture of beasts being defeated and the Son of Man, the Savior of the world, leaving earth and coming into heaven on a cloud. And what were Jesus' last words to his guys? Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And Daniel, again, in verse 14, And to him was given all glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and languages of the world would worship him, right? So what did Jesus say? I've been given all the authority, all the dominion, and all the rule. So here's what I need you to do. Because there's more. There's more that, that's been prophesied, more than has been said about me. All nations, languages, and people will worship. So you need to go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus, with his authority, having broken the power of sin and death, now gives us a mission. And that mission is not just simply with all authority in heaven and earth that's been given to me. So show up to church, sing songs, approximately four of them, pray, maybe sometimes weep, sit in pews that are debatably comfortable. If you don't like the comfort of your chair, maybe choose a different church because, heck, God aims for us to be comfortable here in this place because the sum total of his hope for us is to come in here and worship him. Forget about the rest of the week. There's 168 hours in a week. 
Let's spend an hour and of a half of it together that we may have 166 and a half hours to do whatever. No, he said, all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations, which means you and I have to be concerned with what's going on on the other side of the planet. And if I'm honest with you, my tendency is to not watch the news. Because the news is just going to paint for me a picture of the tragedy and chaos that's going on on the other side of the planet. World news tonight. And heck, maybe we can even localize that down. and Maybe we can just get a U.S. news. And they're going to tell us of the brokenness and tragedy that's going on in Tulsa. Charlotte, Louisiana, Minnesota. Gosh. So, so here's my tendency. Let's just pretend like none of that happens, right? I got six kids. I got enough problems, right? They're hard. I can't, I'm not fast enough. My daughter's almost 13. I'm anticipating future problems, Right? Because 13 is the point where little girls lose their mind. And it already seems like she's lost her mind. So, but see, you see, when we believe that the gospel is about us, when we believe that God's execution was just simply on sin and death, and hey, I've stepped out of that into life. The tendency is to just kind of not pay attention to much of that. But we can't do that. You see, our judge is sitting on a throne. And he will one day execute final judgment. And until that time, you and I have been given a mission to go and make disciples of all nations. Which means if you live in Schenectady, you have to care about Colony and Albany. If you live in Scotia, you have to care about Schenectady. Which means the news story about a teenage girl getting shot can't be ignored. Because that's not our town. But you can't, you can't live in Glenville and hear stories about the heroin that's going on in Scotia and say, gosh, I hope Scotia figures it out. You can't, you can't sit there as one who has passed teenage years and my children have passed teenage years so I no longer have to worry about teenagers. I no longer have to worry about small children. Gosh. There's no way I can wrap my mind around the 163 million children living on planet Earth today with no mom and dad. Right? I mean, we just take this time, and I am in no way attempting to minimize the pain of individuals here in this room. I'm no, in no way trying to take the air out of the balloon that is the struggle of your life right now. But there are 163 million kids alive today with no mom and dad, with no one to care about them. And you take 
my little struggle of having a 13, almost 13-year-old who's lost her mind two months early and weigh it against that, against the 450,000 kids who live in foster care. The mission of God that flows out of the dominion and authority that has been given to Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection is larger than your life. It's larger than your pain. It's larger than your victory. So what are we going to do with that? Because we've been given the task of being empowered by the Holy Spirit so that all the nations and languages would serve Him. Jesus can't come back to get us as long as there are people groups who've never heard His name because they've not been given the opportunity to serve Him. Which means, if you are like me who is greatly anticipating the return of the King so that I can stop with all of the broken news, I can stop with all of the death. I can stop before my kids get to the teenage years. Like begging Jesus to come back before November. Because teenagers. Then we have to care. We have to care about those people who've not yet heard the gospel. Now I say it like this because you and I come in here all the time and we center everything we do around the gospel. We sing the gospel. We sing the fact that we were broken, sinful. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in you. Naked, I come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to you for rest. We sing songs with words like wretched in relation to ourselves. But do we believe our own wretchedness? Then we preach and we talk and we pray around the gospel that we would be people who know and are moved by that. But what happens when I walk out that door? What am I doing outside of my little house? To make the gospel known. So that people of Rotterdam and Scotia and Glenville. And West Glenville. Didn't even know that was actually a place. Colony. New York. Texas. Oklahoma. Africa. Asia. Donna, she did not get that. You're going to have to say it louder. Final judgment has not been executed. But the judgment on sin and death has been executed. And the dominion and authority of Jesus is here and now. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? 
We're going to walk out saying this, man, this should change my way of thinking. This should change everything. Maybe one day the Holy Spirit will empower me to change it. But until then, he's not choosing to do that. Or do we actually take a step towards changing things? When we talk about the mission being global, this is one of the times where uh, you see in church where they say, and so don't forget, there are boxes in the back of the room or the plate will pass and the best way for you to change the life of people on the other side of the planet is to put money in the box. And we could take that money that you put in the box and we can send it to the other side of the planet. But the best way for you to reach the other side of the planet with the good news of Jesus is to start with your neighbor and teach them to work on their neighbor. To teach them to work on their neighbor. It's not, it's not, missions is not dollars that you put in the bucket. And by the way, we welcome you to do that. We'll send it over there so that the people that we know who are working in Africa and Asia, Europe, can teach people to teach their neighbor. But missions is not what happens on the other side of the planet. Missions is what you do the second you walk out the door. So are we people? Are we people who serve and submit to the dominion and authority of Jesus and follow his command to go make disciples? And remember, when I say we, most often I mean me. But I'm trying to teach my kids to love Jesus. Yeah, but what's the flow out of that? Where's that flow? So this morning, we're going to wrap our time up together by coming to the table. The bread, the cracker, to break off, symbolizing that my sin and brokenness is what broke the body of Jesus. And I am identifying with that, knowing that it is in his brokenness that I can be made whole. And in his blood, my sin was washed away. That I was filthy, dirty, wretched, broken. But his blood has washed me clean. And today we're not going to do this with a song playing over. It's family worship Sunday, so there are kids in the room. I want you to come to the table and I want you to get the cracker and I want you to get the juice and I want you to circle up in families. And if you're here today with no family, good news. There are families here who see you as their family. So join in. Talk to your kids about what they're doing. about what they're participating in and what that means for how they go to school tomorrow. Then I'll come back in a minute and we'll wrap this thing up and we'll go out.
So no song, no pomp, no circumstance, just simply you coming to the elements with a heart of worship dedicated to live under the authority that is given to Jesus and the mission that he's given to us. So come to the table.